Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for being with us here on the program today. Uh, we come your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We are also on the podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and locations you folks are reposting our interviews to, and I thank you so much for doing that. Greatly appreciate the fact that you are helping to expand these programs to reach more people, and hopefully we will indeed change the world as we move forward in time. Also want to remind you that uh, if you would like to support the work that we are doing, uh, what we're doing is resonating with you and you'd like to be a part of it, please help us out financially by going to my PayPal link. It's for your security as well as mine. And also, I want you to know that we'll be giving you our guest's website, which we will also be linked to when you go to SoundCloud and or any of the other locations, and you'll be able to go to their website. But we'll be giving that to you shortly so that you can continue your evolutionary process. We also want you to participate. As we've been encouraging you since September of 2019, in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, we want you to spend time going within, finding that quiet, peaceful, still, calm place to center yourself, to refocus, re-energize, rejuvenate. Listen to that still, small voice. It will never, ever steer you wrong. I promise you. And we hope that you will take that time uh, in no matter what the times are, that you will listen to and follow the promptings. I've shared too many stories I won't go into today about doing just that uh, because it's it, you just never know where it's going to lead you. So please uh, do that if you can. Today's program is a very exciting program for me because we're going to be focusing on some very important aspects of Life and Living, if you, if you want to put it that way. We're going to be talking with Dr. Gabriel Cousins, MD. He is, uh, as it's termed here, a mystic for all holistic, for all seasons, if you will. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Uh, is it uh, Dr. Gabriel or Dr. Cousins? How shall well, I... Dr. Gabriel is good. It's uh, a little bit more friendly. Okay. <laughs> and I'm very happy to be on your, your, your show. It's perfect because we are trying to inspire humanity to wake up and evolve spiritually and as evolve as, a, as really all of humanity. And seems like it's kind of hard to do these days um, because people are very easily distracted, very easily distracted. Um, by the way, just for our listeners, you are a, a diplomat, American Board of Holistic Medicine member. Uh, you hold I'm going to I love <laughs> I love looking at the alphabet after after people's names. In your case, you just about have all 26 letters there. Uh, as well <laughs> as a uh, diplomat, um, Ayurveda. Uh, so you are uh, definitely uh, centered in, if you will, uh, much of what we would call Eastern thought uh, in terms of um, uh, some of the things that I have been introduced to over the 40 plus years that I've been, even longer than that, on my search, as I like to call it. Uh, talk to us a little bit about 
uh, your beginnings. How did you become introduced? And you're, I, I keep going through this. Uh, we could spend all day talking about the things that you are a rabbi, among other things. Uh, so you're a spiritual leader of, uh, of different thoughts and philosophies. Tell us how all of that began. Well, you talked earlier about listening to the still small voice. Mm-hmm. That's key. So when I was four years old, I knew I wanted to be the doc- a doctor. No one in my family had ever considered such a thing. Okay. Totally out of the realm of family realm. Then when I was eight, I began to have visions of uh, men in white, different ones that I saw. And then as I continued to follow, I did go to India, lived off and on in India for seven years, meditated, as you were emphasizing, six hours a day, chanted four and a half hours a day, uh, very much went inward. And uh, was acknowledged by my two gurus, Swami Prakashananda, Swami Muktananda, of, you know, of being awake. And then I, after a 40-day fast, another still small voice rang out, okay? That's what you got to listen to, just like you said. It said, go to your roots. At which point I began studying Kabbalah and Torah and became a rabbi in 2008. In between, I also got a message to become a Native American sun dancer and ultimately eagle dancer. That's where you dance all day uh, without food and water, uh, with... Uh, the pegs in your chest you do that for four days so i have this multi-interfaith experience more mm-hmm. shamanic as well as into the nothing means uh, a deep level of, of disappearing even with your identity with your i amness yeah okay there's no i am there's just that there's just nothing so they're just stages and so all these interfaith kind of experiences backgrounds really for your sun dancer is not a small deal you know it's a little bloody it's very shamanic Mm -hmm. so all those things come together and so i was actually guided by listening to the still small voice that you're talking about and i trusted it and i still do in a sense uh really the key is faith but what is faith faith in the truth what is the truth there's only god wherever you look however it is and that all our experiences can be used to help us wake up. Life gives us experiences. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with them? Yeah. And my uh, teaching in my book, uh, Into the Nothing, is all experiences, if we're interpreting it in the right way, can help us evolve spiritually. They're all a gift for God, if yeah. we see it that way. So there's no victims here. Whatever comes to us, it's our job to respond in a way that we're elevated. Thank so you. That's kind of my path. Yeah. Thank you for saying that about the issue of victim, because it seems as though more specifically in the last five or six years in the United States, uh, it seems like that has raised its, I want to say, ugly head. We went through that victimhood mentality back in the 80s, and I was going through my own personal growth programs like Life Spring and so forth. And um uh, and I, I, I just, I sit here going, wait a minute. We already did. Why are we doing this again? Yeah. <laughs> but every generation we have to do it. It seems like it. Yes, indeed. Uh, and yet you would think that if we would just get a handle on this concept, that there are no victims, that I am a hundred percent responsible for my life and how it's turned out. Um, I used to joke with people saying, so 
if I'm not 100% responsible, then when a woman becomes pregnant, she isn't 100% pregnant. She might be 60 or 70% pregnant. That's impossible. You're either pregnant or you're not. So you're either responsible or you're not. But it's not about that. It's more about acknowledging in my head, if you will, and heart that I am responsible. It's, you know, I mean, I could sit here and say all day we're 100% responsible. So, so the key for me, the key responsibility is how we interpret what happens to us. Ah. In, in my world, destiny happens Okay, you know, over lifetimes we've created the, all those things, mm -hmm. but they're there for us to grow spiritually. So to me, the key thing is the world is how you see it. The world is how you believe it to be. Dirsty Shirsty, it's a, from India, saying. And so how we interpret what's unfolding is the key. And if you say, oh, I'm a victim, that's a, a, an interpretation that minimizes, contracts, it limits your spiritual understanding because you're not taking responsibility, which is what you were just talking about. We take responsibility, from my point of view, by seeing what's happening and interpreting it so we're uplifted. And that's really what my book is about, yeah. is how do I make everything that happens interpreted in a way that I'm elevated spiritually. Now, that small voice that you talked about, I was given, before Life Springs, we, we had... Uh, Werner Erhard Est. Est, that was an outbring, outgrowth of of uh, Est was Lifespring, from what I understand. Right. Yeah. So that's I'm tuning into that. So in 1973, I took uh, the last Werner Erhard thing, and I had a vision. And again, these people kept showing up. It's Abraham, Sai Baba of Shirdi, not the current Sai Baba. Uh, and uh, a special Native American figure, mm -hmm. a crazy horse. And so they were become mentors that kind of appeared. And I since have worked with those energies very specifically. Literally, when I was in India, Sai Baba of Shirdi appeared before me. Now, are you, is that your imagination? Well, it just happened at Swami Prakashananda, the first person to acknowledge me as being liberated. He saw it too. It mm -hmm. actually was a materialization. It wasn't like just my imagination. And these beings also initiated, you know, energy came out and it actually knocked me over, you know, the energy. But there was somebody witnessing it. And the same thing happened with Abraham. I was uh, doing a three-day dry fast in, in, in the Negev desert. Uh, you know, often people just, people died just by one day. But I was there without food and water for three days in a semi-cave. Uh, overlooking the Dead Sea, and Abraham appears and transmits the consciousness of love, uh, of oneness, and of literally walking before God and being a witness to uplift all humanity. So those energies go in. So we, we're on different levels working with all these beings. And it was <clears throat> Crazy Horse who really inspired me to do the sun dance mm. as for your and also i'm gonna call it eagle dance uh, eagle dance is where you're you never leave the circle sun dance you can leave at different points you know so what i'm saying is that we're giving messages just like you said what are we going to do with them are we going to listen or pretend it's like you know we're having a hallucination and when people materialize and there are other witnesses 
it gets very confirmatory. So that's been my story. I'm just following the voice, that still small voice of God that you talked about. Mm -hmm. And I just follow it. And then it leads me for my evolution where I have to go. That's kind of uh, in my story. I mean, in my book, there's a lot more phenomena going on. But beings on the other planes are also working with us to help us evolve spiritually. That's been my, you know, I, I cite it multiple times. Um, so even, so I, I took on Abraham's quality, but once in Petaluma, where I am now, in California, North Marin, I was meditating in the woods, and the goddess Lakshmi appeared. Wealth, spiritual and physical wealth. And it's like, what are you doing here? But nevertheless, she came and merged, and those feminine qualities and all the, her gifts came in. So they, they really are helping us mm-hmm. uh, get to higher levels of uh, spiritual understanding. Okay, there you go. Okay. I carry that in my wallet. Okay, so that's beautiful. <laughs> so she appeared. It's like, okay, and merged uh, on multiple levels. I write about it in the book. So we are given uh, really uh, people, beings at, at the astral plane. These are astral plane experiences. We're given those to help us if we're willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Our job, listen, show up. At some yeah. point, some much energy is going on with the Kundalini. It's like, I just have to show up. Yeah. And that's spiritual willpower, what we call in the East, Itcha Shakti, spiritual willpower. It's absolutely needed. Got to keep showing up. Can't quit. Keep showing up. So those are all kind of a part of my path. Really simple. Listen. Listen to the small voice. Do it. Show up. Keep going. Not complicated spiritual path. And make uh, see it with the eyes of how does this help me further my liberation. Yeah. It is... Into the Nothing, it is a spiritual autobiography of Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and we are here talking with him today about his journey, his experiences, and the insights that he is now here to share with us. It's one of the things I love about this program is the fact that uh, we get to meet so many uh, individuals who have such a diverse uh, set of experiences. One of the things that has has occurred to me, uh, um, uh, Doctor, is the fact that We could sit and list, maybe on one hand, maybe two, all of the various emotions that we experience. And we, collectively, as human beings, all experience the same emotions. It's only the stories that are different. But the stories are just as important as having that experience of sadness, fear, happiness, joy, bliss, and so forth. The stories are very, very important because they reflect how we look at the world. And are they uplifting stories that evolve us spiritually? Okay, this happened. You have a picture of Lakshmi. It happened. Now, that's an upliftment. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those stories, as in my book, are really, it's meant to inspire people uh, of, you know, just what life can be if you follow the voice and go be you know be inspired by your stories yeah we aren't our stories but we should be inspired by them it's like choose what you're going to ride archetype and we can choose to ride the archetype we don't have to think that's who we are 
but we can use that to empower us. Yeah. That's a super important thing. People say, well, you just did the not where the past, present, and future. I call it eternal presence. Everything is happening at once. Uh, Muktananda's guru said, uh, nothing has ever happened and everything has happened. And so it's holding past, present, future simultaneously in the nowness. That's very, very powerful in, in this bigger picture. And that's how I have chosen to live is, is, it, is in the nowness, but eternal presence. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of use the example of, of the nowness. Um, if you've ever watched, and you can see behind me, for example, on this uh, video, as folks are watching us on YouTube uh, as well in this, in this program, uh, you see the wave being created. Okay, so I use this as a metaphor. The wave is the past. It's already happened. That which is in front of that white line that you see there, that's the future. Nothing's there. Okay, in a sense, in essence, it's that line that's the now. The moment it turns, it's is the moment the wave comes through. It's already the past. That's how narrow the now is. But that's where we need to be. Uh, you know, that's where we need to be. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, we, we as human beings in our personalities, you know, we, we think about the past and I, you know, I wonder, do you wonder how my ex-wife is doing? I wonder how the station I worked for is this, how my sister, she was having this problem, blah, 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 on and on and on. And then I start planning for the future tomorrow. What am I going to do after this interview? And, and are we going to go for our trip uh, at Thanksgiving and Christmas and so on and so forth? And it's like, yeah, those are all kind of nice, but none of that, uh, all of that pales, if you will, in comparison to the brilliance, to the, um, I, 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 the brilliance is the only word I can come up with of the, this moment right now. I'm looking at you and even that is the past already because as soon as right. my brain has interpreted the waves that are coming in, I'm already looking at the past. That's how yeah, it, fast the now we, we can get out of the now. So that's why I call it the eternal presence. Yeah. I'll give an example how it could be confusing for people. We we're in 1989 after the wall fell. We were mm -hmm. doing a, a peace tour in uh, Europe. So we're in uh, actually Krakow, Poland, because we're, releasing the souls from the concentration camps. There's a certain shamanic process that I do. Okay? Very powerful. So one of the people working with us comes down. She sees the breakfast. She says, I created this breakfast. And I said, well, but Carolyn, guess what? We planned it three months ago. So there's an alignment in the nowness with the past, present, and future. So she was just uh, uh, tuning into that uh, alignment of something that had already been done. She didn't create it. So we, there's a, it, it, we create how we look at it, but past, present, and future are simultaneous. And that's a kind of a, that's why I'm talking about the nowness. And she just tuned into the divine will of what had already been planned. Mm -hmm. You know, I was working with the Polish people in Krakow. We had a breakfast, you know. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm kind of saying? Yeah. So there's the divine will unfolding. That's a metaphor for it. And our, our job is to align with that rather than our ego. Yeah. yeah I was... Our ego of past, present, and future is not the same thing as the divine will unfolding. Yeah.
I, I've uh, I've noticed that on uh, television and movies, more and more films and television programs are coming out, especially on demand, of this playing with the past, present, and future. Uh, I even saw an article, this was a legitimate article, supposedly, uh, where a scientist has actually proven time travel is possible through mathematics. And I, I sit here and I'm going... Is, is the present moment that bad or that abhorrent or that uninteresting that we have to contemplate going back to the past or trying to go to the future? And besides, just like a tapestry, when you start uh, pulling a thread similar to regretting certain elements of your past, which you cannot eliminate, if you could, then that would change the person that you are today. You wouldn't be the person you are today if you hadn't had those elements that you, you say you regret. So I, I sit there going, and if you go back into the past, aren't you now altering that past's future? I mean, it, it starts to get into a real uh, uh, um, uh, quagmire of, of, of mind uh, minutia, if you will, uh, in that... This is where we are. Why can't we be happy with this? Why do why must we contemplate? And then what you're saying is it's all happening all at the same time. So in one sense it's like what difference does it make whether you can or can't travel literally back to right. something or forward to something? You're already living all of it right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. You don't have to time travel. Yeah. You know, but there is something subtle. I teach a call course called the zero point which is yoga of the mind mm -hmm. yoga and you can isolate a block that you've repeated for a lifetime repeated in this lifetime and you can change the pattern not the fact that that event happened mm -hmm. what we're talking about, but if you can go back and change the pattern that created that action you are actually growing spiritually so we can use uh, patterns and change the uh, the egoic uh, pattern so we don't keep repeating it. Right, right. That's a way we can use the past. Okay, how did that happen? What did I do? Yeah. Oh, I got it. Now, I see that's coming from this imbalance in myself, mm -hmm. and now I'm going to clear the cause of that imbalance, which is intrapsychic, okay, mm -hmm. so I don't keep repeating it. Yeah. So there's some value of past experiences clearing them. Yeah, the, the, the event happened. That's not changing. What happens is how we proceed into the future. So if we transform our egoic pattern, I call it the, uh, you know, the, the point of creation, and we change that formulation, then we're free of it so it doesn't interfere with us in the future. So that's a way to use past missing the mark i call it yeah that makes sense so now, that's the idea now let's let's kind of expand on that to talk about um this the concept of synchronicity uh, going back to uh some of the television programs that i've seen over the last uh, decade or so every so often i'll see this program whether it's a series or a movie where the the uh, uh it, it opens up uh, say in the first 15 20 30 minutes looking at, let's just say, four different totally 
uh, innocuous stories, totally independent of one another. They have nothing. You, you sit there looking at each story as it unfolds going, what are they showing us here? What is going on here? Now we're into a different story in New York, and now we're in another story in Bangladesh, and now we're in another story. And as the movie progresses, two of the paths cross. And then the third path crosses. And then the fourth path crosses. Without any effort on the part of the individuals, they just happen to, uh, and I, I would have to say that probably one of the best programs I've seen, a series of programs, was uh, God Friended Me was a program where this guy has this app on what looks like Facebook, and he gets these friend suggestions where he's supposed to help these individuals. And as he helps the first individual, he ends up meeting the second individual he's supposed to help, who's connected in some way to the first individual. He didn't even know there was a connection. And this goes on. See, uh, um, so that's the divine will unfolding. That yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's the key is, is if we get our ego out of the way, I, I teach the personality is a case of mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's not who we are, but we are given a personality so we can function in the world. Right. Like it's our car. We're driving the car. So consciousness has to drive ego rather than ego driving consciousness. So when, so when consciousness is in charge, we then become part of the flow and are able to tune to the divine will and we meet the people we're supposed to meet and do what we're supposed to do. I kind of laugh. The metaphor is uh, destiny gives us the movie theater, but we choose the movie. Yeah, yeah. So we, we have to be clear. What are we choosing? Are we going to be a victim are we going to be evolving uh, person spiritually? To me, all the AI, all those things, has nothing to do with who we are. We're put on the planet, from my point of view, to evolve spiritually, to move back into the one. That's it. And nothing else matters. And it's not how many, you know, <laughs> things you can, <laughs> not how many things you can produce. Uh -huh. It's like, are we going to do everything we can that's given us to evolve spiritually that's the only purpose we have for being here in my point of view all our life actions if we see it right are to help us evolve spiritually and and that's the the key so we get the movie theater now what are we going to do with choose the movie that's going to best elevate us mm. i'm not going to choose a victimhood movie i'm going to choose one that's going to help me evolve spiritually it's going to clear all the use the word wake, you know, we're the boat, the wake is the past. Mm -hmm. but the whole idea is to wake up, to free ourselves from the boat and the wake yeah. so that we can evolve back into the one, which is, you know, the purpose of life from my point of view. And to, to me, one more thing, it's deeper when you're aligned than Freud's death urge or Freud's sex urge, the urge to merge with the divine is the deepest, deepest, from my point of view, yeah. uh, driving force. It's like, so I organize in my life everything in that direction. Uh, so this is my choice how I want to interpret it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of the orientation that I'm I'm sharing with people in my book. You know, into the nothing. It's like you got choices. Choose what's going to best elevate you because there's only a purpose for, for being here. Yeah. So I want to know God and merge. Dissolve into the nothing, into the nothing. Yeah, and yet you and I both know that uh, in the ancient wisdom teachings, 
uh, show us where we came from. We came from the one. It shows right. us where we're going to. We're going to the one. Right. And so in my ego frustration, I go, well, then what the heck are we doing here? Why did we, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, what was it that we were missing with the one that made us so, uh, uh, that compelled us so to create this world? I mean, that's, it, it, it's like, that's the, the sort of the, the paradox. It's like, you know, that's a great question, but the reality is, guess what? You're here. Okay. Yeah. You're here now. The, the paradox, the whole path is paradoxical. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> and it's, and part of the liberation path is learning to live with the paradox. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the stories or one way of looking at it, we call it the play of consciousness, which is a book that Muktananda wrote. It's like, there's a play of consciousness, and we're kind of doing these cycles, and we come from the one, then we play, and then we evolve back into the one, and it's a it's a constantly deepening. But then at the end, you disappear. Yeah. Game over. And then it starts again. So that's kind of more of a Vedic approach to it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It's like, doesn't matter what the answer is, why we're we here. I mean, we're here to evolve, right. but how it all happened, I don't know. And as you're implying, I don't really care. This isn't what <laughs> of my nose, and I need to do it. Yeah, exactly. I'm part of the game. Exactly. Exactly. We are talking with uh, Dr. Uh, Gabriel Cousins, and uh, we're talking about a lot of incredible things. I have to tell you that my metaphysical primer, I probably read it for the first time at the age of 17, maybe a little earlier than that, Autobiography of a Yogi. Uh, I have the original audio files on my phone. And when I say original, what I mean is that when I was growing up as a child and into ad adulthood, I was legally blind. So I was getting what is now called an audible book. But it bef before audibles were cool, these were recordings for the blind and uh, talking books for the blind. And I listened to this uh, this book that was originally read in 1973. And as I say, I have the original, those recordings on my phone over and over and over again. I absolutely fell in love with the stories. I even took on one of the names mentioned in one of the stories, the tiger Swami. And I took on the, the, the name, part of the name of what the tiger that was featured. His name was Raja Begum, uh, Prince Princess. So I took on the first part, Prince, <laughs> and I was known for a, for quite a, a few years as Raja. Uh, but um, I I have I have been drawn back over the last forty years in my career to this philo these philosophies, the from the Gita and the Vedas and uh, the um, I almost said Rachmaninoff's, <laughs> the Ragas and so forth. Uh, and it's been fascinating, the people I've met, in addition to being introduced to Self-Realization Fellowship, I was introduced to Self-Inquiry Life Fellowship through a gentleman who was also a devotee of Paramahansa and Sri Yukteswar and those, and those folks mentioned in, in, in uh, Paramahansa's book. I also met another gentleman called uh, by the name of Sri, uh, Sri Krishna, uh, not Krishna, I'm sorry, uh, um, oh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now, I don't know why. He wrote a book. Uh, he was the last living teaching a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda before his passing a few years ago. I had an opportunity. Kriyananda. Kriyananda. Uh, and oh, yeah. I had an opportunity. Yeah. And I, I almost 
I, this, this sounds awful to say this way. I almost met him personally. Now, I, I interviewed him two times. And we were invited to come here and speak at the Ford Amphitheater. And we're not able to make it. And I, I was like, I was so disappointed. And then I found out about nine months later that he had passed. And I'm, I, I just, I was crestfallen because of the opportunity that I was not able to take advantage of. Um, but I've been up to Ananda Village with my wife. We both went up there for uh, our Christmas vacation in 2016, up to I that area. That's actually where I met him before he died. Oh, what a beautiful place. He was a beautiful man. Uh, like I said, I wish I'd been able to meet him personally. But uh, these philosophies, they just keep coming back to me. They keep coming back, or I keep going back to them through this program in particular. And it's well, fascinating. That's because there's truth to them. Yes, exactly. Know, when we have experiences, one of the things I advise people is it aligned with the last 6,000, really in this case, 10,000 years of teaching? Mm -hmm. Okay, is it involved with your own intuition? And is it, is it aligned with the immediacy of your own spiritual group? In mm -hmm. other words, you've got to pass three tests to make sure you're not diluted. Yeah. Okay, so you are getting a, a taste of really the spiritual wisdom that's true. It's held through ages. There's not an accident. So we're given that. Yeah. I, I, and I have to tell you that there is a, a familiarity to it for me. Uh, there is a, a it, it's similar, I would say, to the feeling that I have when I am thinking about uh, or just contemplating my Catholic upbringing. Because setting aside the doctrine, the doctrine and dogma, I have this, this uh, uh, shall we say, warm spot in my heart for the ritual and the tradition and the ceremony. Let's talk a little bit about that from the context of what we're discussing here. Now, Into the Nothing is what we're here talking about as far as your book, here Into, into the Nothing, your, your spiritual autobiography. Um, how important are those three elements to our daily lives to have ritual and tradition and, and ceremony, if you will. I think it's very important. I, I mentioned in the book kind of three levels of, of knowing. Mm -hmm. And um, we call in India Shiva Upaya, Mantra Upaya, and Anupaya. Now, what, what does that mean? So the ceremonies are Shiva Upaya. And the ceremonies keep reminding you of the truth. And you do that every day, or if, as I do it three times a day, I'm doing ceremony, that just keeps reminding of the truth. The mantra pi is devotion, what we call bhakti. So when you're doing the ceremony, it activates the devotion, if you're paying attention, right? And anupaya is the direct knowing. So all three are happening. So ceremonies are kind of anchor the kind of, you know, the, the, the bhakti part, mm -hmm. but also the direct knowingness if you're already there. It just keeps reinforcing that. Because over time, uh, when Prakashananda acknowledged me, he said, look, you know, self-realization, God merging are not the same thing. But And then we move along after self-realization towards God merging. He said, I'm kind of in the middle of that process. So why am I saying it? Because we never stop. The worst thing you can do when you wake up is think you're done. 
it's endless. Mm-hmm. So there's the final God merging. And in my tradition, that's Nityananda's, Muktananda's guru, Sai Baba of Shirdi. Uh, these are people who are merged in the one. It's different than self-realization. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's the first step of being liberated. And so these ceremonies, and I'll, I'll mention near Sargata, you probably have heard of him. I am that. I didn't get to meet him, but the point, because uh, he left his body in 82, I was still in India. I just was too busy meditating, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point I'm making is there's a spectrum along the way of first waking up and then don't stop, keep going. That's a huge and important message for people is that you, you never arrive. There's yeah. always another step. Yeah. And, and that's part of the message. So these ceremonies that you just asked about continue to do it. Near Sargata, I am that. He did what we call puja or ceremonies every day. Most people don't know that, but I knew a lot of people who knew him. Okay. Uh, every day, even though he's kind of, uh, you know, I am that Yana uh, uh, yoga consciousness, he's still doing ceremony. So ceremonies are very important for anchoring a continual awareness that grows. The more you feel and experience the truth, the more you become the truth. And ceremonies are like the, the spark of the fire that, that begins to keep growing. So I, I totally support the idea of ceremonies to keep reminding you of the truth. Uh, again, even uh, Sai Baba Shirdi uh, was, was involved in ceremony. He had a ceremonial fire. I used to go there. And I'd meditate for six hours at a time, and people turn me into a puja. You know, I wait, I come out of meditation, and <clears throat> you know, I have all kinds of things on me, you know, and gifts and da da da, you know. But I was also meditating two feet from this roaring fire. Most people couldn't really do that. But the point I'm making is ceremony helps you stay awake and evolve with your awakening. So that's my answer. Yeah. I do not do away with ceremony. I do not do with bhakti, which is dualistic, right? Mm-hmm. But that dualistic brings you to the oneness because the love of God is a driving force. So we always want to keep reinforcing that. You know, when people wake up, it's really easy to slip back. So uh, thinking you're above it all. Yeah. So my approach is I'm not above it all. I'm going to keep doing ceremony. I do these things is guess what? It keeps getting deeper and deeper until you get the anupaya, that, yeah. which I'm talking about that's really part of self-realization so i totally support people doing daily ceremonies to stay awake now in the jewish tradition you have uh shabbat and it's a day of rest what is it a day of rest for duality you see oneness so it's the same thing you're reinforcing with the ceremony moving from duality of the day of uh, how most people experience it into oneness awareness clearly you want that every single day every single minute yeah. but you got to start somewhere mm-hmm. so ceremonies are the starting point so that's that's my answer to it i i strongly recommend we're not above we're not so great that we're above doing ceremony to remind us absolutely uh and also in terms of um uh also in terms of those um shall we say annual 
ceremonies, not just the dailies, but uh, those special occasions, special events, special individuals, whether you, you speak of it in the context of a, of a human birthday, a physical birthday right. on this planet or anniversary of a, a milestone. Let's talk a little bit about that, too. In terms of uh, these these moments in time, as man sees it, um, right. what about these aspects uh, of, let's just use this as an example, uh, as, I, as I know you know, uh, and I'm v- somewhat familiar with the, the terms in Judaism as far as a woman becoming, a girl becoming a woman and a boy becoming a man, those ceremonies. And that if you were living, I don't know, maybe, maybe not that long ago, but let's say 50 or 100 years ago, and let's say in Israel or some other country where it was time for your bar mitzvah, uh, they would treat you differently. In African cultures and tribes, they would take the boy out and the women would be crying and carrying on. And it's a show for the boy. Uh, and when he leaves, he leaves a boy. But when he returns, he will be a man and he will be treated as a man. But in the Western culture for Jews and the, the bar mitzvah, the kid's 13. So you had a bar mitzvah. You're not a man because you're not a man until what? You get your driver's license at 16 or you turn 18 and you can vote and or go to war or when you turn 21, now you can drink or your first sexual experience or whatever other event makes that determination. Uh, let's talk a little bit about those kinds of milestones um, and maybe compare and contrast between Western cultures, I don't know, lack of acknowledgement of what those milestones mean within the culture from where they came. It's a very, your questions are very sophisticated, very good. So yes, a Batsmith and a are, you know, a few hundred years ago when you were 13, you really were a man, okay? Life was a lot shorter, you really were a man. Yeah. You, could have, you could get pregnant, you could, you know, things happen at, at that age. Uh, not that I'm recommending people, you know, <laughs> but I'm saying in the context, 13 was, was manhood. It's very important to have ceremonies acknowledging the transitions that we have in our life and the different stages that we have in our life. So these are very helpful. It's not as meaningful today. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story about myself. I, I mentioned it. So when I was 13, I was, uh, I chose not to have a uh, bar mitzvah because I wanted to keep playing football. That was my, where I was experiencing God. I would go so much beyond. I was having God merged experiences in the while playing football. It's like, okay, that's my interest. I'm not going to miss football practice to study for a year for a bar mitzvah. Okay. Later, after returning, uh, after a 40 day fast in 1983, little God message rings out. Dr. Gabriel Cousins, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the program. This has been a great pleasure. I hope we can do this again. I know that we've only scratched the surface because there's so much more to talk about. And and I look forward to people going to drcousins.com to find out more about the work that you're doing, the Tree of Life, which is another subject all in of itself that I am always fascinated by. So I want to thank you again for, for getting this conversation started that I know is going to continue for us. 
Yeah, I really enjoy speaking with you and sharing, uh, you know, and thank you for talking about Into the Nothing, which is the key to the whole thing. And I do look forward to being on your program again. I just, uh, it's fun to kind of, in a sense, rap with you about these very deep spiritual uh, issues. Right. And, and so it's fun, and I'm so pleased that you healed your diabetes because that's one of the things, you know, I have 13 books, and that's one of the things, I, a big deal for me <laughs> around the world. So you're a witness for a really good thing besides the spiritual waking up. So I appreciate you sharing that as well. So it's really good. So thank you very much, and may you be blessed to continue this good work to wake up as many people as possible. And may everybody out there be blessed that we take on this waking up, this opportunity to wake up under the stress of the COVID, to wake up and become a new level of person and of spiritual awareness and of health. I have three final questions for you. Yes. As I ask all of my guests, you may have addressed them to some degree within the context of the interview, but I like to ask them pointedly. But before I do, I want to remind our listeners that we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at richarddugan.com with podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews unfold as we uh, converse with our guests. And uh, we also ask that you go to our guest's website. And in this case, it is drcousins.com. We will be linked to his website so that you can go and visit the website and uh, continue your, as I say, evolutionary and transformational process. And you just press a button, you can order the book from there too. Absolutely. Order the book. And again, that book is Into the Nothing, A, uh, a Spiritual a Journey. Yeah. A Spiritual Journey. And we encourage you to, uh, to, to get a copy. Also, if you like the work that we're doing, you re- it resonates with you and you'd like to support us financially, we would greatly appreciate that. As I said before, PayPal and Patreon accounts are available for your security as well as ours. And also to participate in the 2020s, the decade of perfect vision, to go within, to get that calm, peaceful uh, place of, of, uh, of equanimity, if you will, as well as insight, information, intuition, and so forth uh, to guide you from moment to moment, hour to hour to day to day. And I'll tell you what, when you start doing it, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And then just as you're walking down the street, you'll just get these impressions and boom, you just, you just go. Uh, so speaking of going, we're going to go to our three questions and they are number one. Who is Gabriel Cousins? Should I answer all at once or one at a time? One at a time. So Gabriel Cousins is a personality which is not who I am. Personality is a case of mistaken identity. So I am part of the one and ultimately into the nothing, I'm just part of the divine. There is no Gabriel Cousins there at the highest level merged into the nothing, you lose the idea that you're a separate ego. There's no separation. So there is no Gabriel Cousins. There's no person standing, no place to stand. That's So that's the illusion of Gabriel Cousins as we manifest in this physical plane. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I have no hopes to achieve anything. But being aligned with the divine will is really getting the word out to the world to wake up spiritually, actually mentally, physically, and physically, uh, you know, uh, emotionally. So 
So my work is, again, a holistic way to liberation. And that's really what I'm not trying to achieve, but but that's my dharma. That's my service in the world. Uh, and uh, I, I, that's what I do. It's not what I hope. And whatever happens, happens. That part isn't my problem. Doing is not my problem. Uh, I mean, being in that mindset of simply sharing the holistic way of liberation is my role. Mm. What comes of it, that's God's problem. (laughs) All right. And finally, what is your life's purpose? So my life's purpose is to merge more deeply into the one. And purpose and meaning. Purpose is goal-directed. I don't take goal-directed. Meaning is to live as the one, to be in the nothing is, uh, in that sense, not just in meditation. As I mentioned, all I ever learned from life was from meditating, playing football, and sacred relations. So is to keep expanding my consciousness from self-realization into the final God merging into the one. So in a sense, that's what makes my life meaningful. So I don't think purpose, because that's goal, and goals are ego. Well, I, just, That's it. All right. Well, I thank you again for joining us and giving us so much time on this program. It's been a great pleasure, and uh, we do look forward to having you back again soon to Absolutely. continue this. Thank you, and thank you for your good work. Again, may you be blessed to continue this work for many years, past 100, okay? I will go for that. I got no problem with that. 60 now, that's 40 more years. That's right. That's right. Well, I want to thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lal. Get it basically said go to your roots so i'm 40 years old now i'm ready to take that on so we have to look at times in our life where it actually is meaningful that's the time to do the ceremony so to do meaningless ceremonies you're 13 okay i don't want to offend anybody but your most kids are not ready at 13 to be a man yeah or girls to be a woman okay biologically there's some readiness because you can have babies. But so the key is the ceremonies to have meaning have to be really aligned with your life cycles and the reality of your maturity. Mm-hmm. So the cycles are important. The cycles in Africa, same thing. What was it 100 years ago or 200 years ago in Africa where you become a man is different than today? Mm-hmm. Or is it exactly the same parallel? So I did get by medicine, but but not until I was 44. Mm. I was ready to do it. So I was really tuned into the cycles. Yeah. And uh, that's the key. So it has to have some fit of reality to it. 13? Who are we kidding? Yeah. How many 13 year olds do you know what? And I wasn't, again, my football is a big deal for me, but part of it was a big deal. You know, besides being captain of undefeated football team. There were many spiritual things, college football team and National Football Hall of Fame. There were many spiritual events that happened to me because I went beyond my limitations. And, you know, went into, as I mentioned in the book, 
times of total unity with team and both really both teams. You know, we're all one on the play of life. We're just playing polarity. So there's lots of kind of uh, taking mundane like football. I, I write all I ever learned from life was meditation, from meditation, from playing football, and in sacred relationships. Now those are the big lesson places for me, where constantly we're going back to the one. So when my first experience of the one really a lot was from football experience. Mm. I would just people call it the zone, but it was beyond the zone. Okay, so. There's a role of the, the life cycle ceremonies, but they have to apply to present culture to be meaningful. I, without going into detail at, uh, at this juncture, because I've mentioned it probably more times than people want to hear anymore, my moment of, shall we say, uh, a bar mitzvah, uh, though I am only 1% Jewish, according to Ancestry.com, <laughs> uh, is, was when I was 33. And uh, it was it was also uh, the same uh, period of time that I experienced what was described in the movie City Slickers uh, as my best day. And from that day uh, back in September of 1993, when I was 33, uh, I had a consecutive probably, I don't know, 15, 20, maybe 30 days where each day was this is my best day. Not that the previous days weren't my best day, that was then, this is now. And I had an experience with one of my buddies who we were camping, and uh, uh, I, I felt at that moment like I, I made it. I've, I'm now a man. I stood up. I, sp I spoke my truth. I stood my ground and, um, and so forth. A few years later, I was sharing the story, more elongated than here, with my mother. I've, I don't know if it was around the dinner table or what it was. And all my mother could say, and I, I appreciated her and I love her very much, but all she could say was, well, it's about time. You know? <laughs> but, you know, if you think about it, I guess that's kind of the way mothers are. They expect their, you know, they, and, and um, uh, to that end, I, I remember a conversation I had with my brother. We were at a family reunion uh, out in uh, Florence, Arizona, where uh, we were at, I think it was like the Elks Lodge and we were out walking in the desert. And I was sharing with him my thoughts, feelings, philosophy, and so forth, and things that I understood. And he says, well, it's, you know, my God, you're X number of years away. Well, it's great. Now you finally got it. I says, Mike, my brother's name, it's not when you get it. It's that you get it. That's right. Because not everybody gets it. Yeah. And that's the coming of age. That's where the cycle's important. In awareness that there there is a time to get it. So pay attention. Yeah. That's really what we're saying here. Now you have, as I mentioned earlier in the program, a number of letters following your name, in addition to MD, uh, because of a lot of the work that you have done, not just, uh, uh in terms of education, but on yourself. Uh, and I'm curious as to, um, the, the meaning, not specifically of those letters, but the meaning of the letters in the context of what we're discussing here in terms of uh, uh, pursuing God, if you will, and, and uh, uh, re reuniting with the one, uh, in, is, is the significance only in and for this world that you express those letters and that 
shall we say, learning that you have to other humans that shows them, look, I've been through it. I have these letters behind my name. I've got these titles behind my name or in front, rabbi, all of these things. And by the way, I know how strenuous studying for uh, for the rabbinical uh, position can be from what I have read and talked with other rabbis about. That's no easy trick. Now, uh, you know, that is not an easy journey for anybody. But what about that in terms of uh, the, the, the balancing, if you will, of this world and your personality versus that essence in you that knows the only important thing is merging with the one? Right. So what I'm promoting in the book is the holistic way of liberation. That's kind of uh, the, what I'm really teaching, mm-hmm. the holistic way of liberation. Now, when I went to medical school, Columbia Medical School, really good, top medical school in New York City. I'm living in Central Harlem, and I'm doing all these community organizing things and stuff. I was really making a statement that you, there's just much more to being a doctor than an allopathic approach. Mm-hmm. I knew that intuitively. I didn't, you know, at that time, that's in the 60s. At that time, we didn't use the word holistic health, Okay. But I knew there was just, wait, this is way more sophisticated. There are multiple levels involved with healing. And I had some very powerful healings with of, of patients. Uh, you know, as I'm a third-year medical student, I helped them tune into what was going on. They're too long to explain, but let's just say I had one patient. She had been in five different hospitals. Nobody could figure out what was going on. I'm the third-year medical student. She was psychotically depressed. That's what was going on. Nobody even looked at her psychological state. Mm. I brought in the psychiatrist, the chief psychiatrist. He diagnosed it, and she got better. They did different things. The point I'm making is it, it's a holistic point. We have physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, and that's just a general principle, whether we apply it to medicine, holistic medicine, right, right or a holistic way to liberation. So we have the physical purification, so your body, as I write my earlier books can become a superconductor of the divine for the awakening of Kundalini with the astral plane where we're clearing. So we're not getting stuck with the angels and demons and obviously had lots of astral plane experiences with Sai Baba Shirdi and Lakshmi and so forth. And then we have the mental plane, which is like pure uh, mind awareness without anything else, the, what we call Yana yoga. And then we have the spiritual plane. So all those are happening. So all those titles are referring to all those different planes. Mm. That's probably the best way to understand it. So it's a, it's a, what we call a meta communication that, well, okay, there's a lot of experience on a lot of different planes. This is why I'm promoting the holistic way to liberation because it isn't just about the mind. It isn't just about spirit. It isn't just about playing on the astral plane, which is a little piece here. But it's all of those. Mm -hmm. Body becomes a clear vehicle. I found uh, in my work eating meat, fish, chicken, dairy, clog the nadis. The nadis are the 72,000 channels through which the kundalini flows. Okay. So when I'm working with people, uh, you know, I try to move them that way. And another thing that kind of came on me through my book to Nanda is he put me in charge. Everybody was having trouble with the energies and we're overwhelmed. What I noticed is they spontaneously tried to eat meat and different things to slow the energy down. 
So just the reverse, fine. Make your body a superconductor. Don't eat meat, fish, and chicken, dairy. And then the energy, you can become a, a easier uh, a superconductor of the divine. So everything kind of overlaps everything as a weave, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And that's what those letters are about. It's a statement that life is really holistic mm -hmm. and we're working on multiple dimensions simultaneously. Yeah. And that's the key. So that's kind of what those mean. I mean, I work hard, I study, I do all these things because I'm also curious. That's me. But uh, the bigger picture is how do we get all the angles so I can deal with the paradox of all of it at one time, a holistic way to liberation, working in physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual simultaneously in the evolution of human consciousness. Yeah. That, that kind of answers that yeah and it's interesting when when we use those terms uh whether we uh use a term like sustainable organic holistic homeopathic and so on and so forth and when i think about those terms i'm thinking do you, you know folks it was maybe 150 years ago and earlier uh, or, uh that those terms were never used because that's, right. that's, that's right. just that's right. the way life was. A farmer didn't grow organic corn in the 1800s. Corn. He just grew corn and he didn't have pesticides. He dealt with what was there in medicine. Uh, and you have um, a, 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 in many different cultures, you have medicine, men and women. Uh, and uh, even my wife and I have even talked about this, how she would love for us to find a very small cabin up in the woods somewhere where people would come to her because she's an herbologist and so forth. They would come to her for uh, what ails them, whatever the case might be. And she would have the herbs and spices and all of the different uh, elements uh, to assist them in their uh, healing process, if you will, in whatever form that might take. Uh, and, and that's just the way that it was. But now we put all these labels on everything. And so if you use the wrong label with a, somebody, they're going to walk away. They're going to turn you off and they're going to walk away. Uh, but if you use the right label instead, maybe just saying, I if you need some help, I, I think I might be able to help you. No labels. Uh, you know, come by my shop, my store, my home. And I, I will, I will do what I can for you. I will assist you in facilitate. I will help to facilitate your, and even healing. Uh, I'm a Reiki master. I have been for a number of years, as is my wife. And when we I'm were taught, well, when we were taught, just as you were, I'm sure we were told that we were not in charge or in control of what that energy would do. All we were doing is focusing that energy on right. that particular person or situation Correct. and that that person or situation would then use it however they chose to use it. So yes. when I, I, when, when we start using the word healing, I sit here and I'm going, yeah, but what if that's not what the person wants? My uncle on my father's side had cancer. We did an absentee healing for him. He passed about five days following that absentee healing. And it was after the funeral, my mother told me the story of how uh, shortly after he had received that healing, which he didn't know anything about, he got really angry and he threw his medication across the room, jumped in his wheelchair, wheeled across the compound where he and his family lived to where his son, uh, son's house was, uh, or ranch. I think it was not so much a compound as a ranch. And 
went inside and they had this time of father-son and closure of one who is about to transition. And then shortly after that, he passed. That's what he wanted to do with that energy. So when we talk about healing, seems to me that's the wrong word now. I think it's a good point you're making because it's really self-healing. I don't, and this is also with Reiki, but any kind of distant healing, you must have the permission of the person. Right. And and, and certainly we did, but. But they have to be ready. Yeah. So I will ask a person out front, are you ready for this? Yeah. You know, not do I just have your permission. Are you ready for this? Mm. And without that, it's not really worth it. I mean, they're not going to be happy and, uh, you know, you're imposing your will on people. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very important in the holistic way of liberation. People have to choose to want to show up, mm-hmm. not your role to force them to show up. Exactly. I think that's what we're talking about. And it could really backfire. In, uh, Big time. Big yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the other aspect, too, when, when I think about orthodox medicine, traditional medicine. Uh, and I've often asked this question of people, and you're an MD as well, uh, and that is it seems to me that the, the medical community in the United States in particular does not know when to say when. Uh, they're more concerned with uh, quantity of life than they are quality. And if a person just isn't going to have it, the quality, why would they want to stick around? Who wants to suffer, you know? Right. Uh, unless you're, unless of course you're a martyr, which there are those people who they are. Right. And it's your choice. I need to suffer to pay for whatever. Yeah. For karma. But the point is allopathic medicine is really more mechanical mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. It's, it's missing all those. It's pretty much physical mm-hmm. symptom relief or treatment. But that's not what life is about, and that's not what most illnesses are about. They do imply multiple levels of causality, and the holistic approach is addressing the multiple levels. Holistic doesn't mean using vitamins and minerals, or even homeopathy. Yes, I I do have a degree in homeopathy, but no, it's much more. It's seeing the person as a whole person on all the levels Mm -hmm. and speaking to all those levels in a way that one, they can hear, and two, they make a choice, because it has to be their choice, to work on all those levels, to evolve all those levels within themselves. We're talking with Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and uh, uh, he has, as I've alluded to and mentioned before, a rather lengthy resume, if you will, uh, of knowledge, an experience, and that's one of the reasons. Also a book that we're talking about, of course, Into the Nothing, a spiritual journey. And uh, you can go to his website. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, your website is actually, it's your name, Dr. Gabriel Cousins. DrCousins.com. DrCousins.com. And it's DR. It's also called Into the Nothing Book.com. But DrCousins.com gets you to where you go so you can order the book. I also have people involved in, any of my teaching because I'm teaching almost every single day is uh, it's just tree of life community dot mn dot co but dr cousins.com that's easy 
Yeah. Just go over that. And we'll be you linked. On that and it's, it's a map to the other places. Right. And we'll be linked to that website so people can continue their evolutionary and transformational process as well. I wanted to ask you um, uh, another question that, as I've said many times on this program, the universe asks the questions, I'm just along for the ride. And it's been an unbelievable ride the 40 plus years I've been doing this. Uh, I feel as though I should at least have PhD behind my name, but it wouldn't be for a specific subject. It, it would be uh, a PhD in eclectic studies because I have been introduced to some of the most incredible, both individuals such as yourself uh, and subject matter. Uh, the conversations that I've had with people have been unbelievable. So to that end, the question or the subject I'd like to jump into because I think it's very relevant, especially, I hate using the term, especially today in these turbulent times. Uh, that's so cliche now. It's, it's just, it's, it's so 2019. Uh, <laughs> what about the sexual energy that we all have? We all, we all contain it. We all use it in various ways, not just for procreation or enjoyment. A matter of fact, um, in a program I went through called Omega Vector and Delta Vector in the 90s, which was similar to LifeSpring from, from one standpoint, but it was focused on uh, the, the writings of Teilhard, who talked about the zero point, and then, of course, many other uh, teachings as well that were incorporated in it to help people to evolve, to to rise up, if you will, raise their consciousness. Okay, it wasn't just about breaking you down to build, then build you up again, like LifeSpring and, of course, Aston, some of these others did, and some do today. But but he talked about how nothing that exists today in the material world was not created. It or I should rephrase that it was all created using sexual energy which f probably perplexes a lot of people because they don't understand what real sexual, as we call it, sexual energy is. Can you talk about that a little bit? I'll tell you, you're asking a really good question. So I, I like to use the word passion. Okay. And there is physical sexual energy. We have a sacred relationship, which is a big path that I teach. Uh, it's very important. But it's not about sex. It's about using the word eros, E-R-O-S, that is the passion where you're experiencing God in all things. So eros got degraded, but initially eros meant what I just said. Mm -hmm. Now we think eros, oh, erotic. That's not what we're talking about. So the sexual energy is a driving force that we can use to evolve spiritually if we channel it in the right direction. So it is a real energy. It's not the deepest energy. As I said the deepest energy would be more eros and deeper or passion for God to see God in all things. That's the meaning of eros, celebrating God in all things. And then one part of that celebration of God in all things is the more overt sexual energy uh, we call tantra, there's a path called Kashmir Shaivism. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's the tantric path. Mm -hmm. it, it's part of what I, I learned in, in India. It isn't about sexual tantra. It's about 
being in that erotic relationship with all of creation. Mm. So if we take sexual energy, upgrade it to eros, and erotically, in an erotic relationship where you're celebrating the divine passionately in all of creation, everything is happening. That's the key in the sense of where sexual energy fits in. Just in terms of sex, that that's a very contraction of what we're talking about. But Eros, celebrating the divine in all things, that's powerful. That's the deep tantra, not the sexual tantra. Yeah. And that's kind of like what they say comes from what we call Kashmir Shaivism, but also it is the essence of Torah. Torah is very relationship-oriented. And it's, again, celebrating God in all of creation, the, the Shema, the one and the many in all of creation. So you're seeing all of creation as the one, and that's Eros in, in, in a very real way. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the ark, initially, there's two angels, and it's kind of Eros energy uh, uh, celebrating the one. So it's there in all the traditions, both Eastern and Western, but we have to upgrade it to celebrating God, passionately celebrating God in all things. The word passion is pretty important. I loved what, uh, uh, and I know this was a quote more from Paramahansa's book, um, where he talked about, um, uh, uh, I think it was a Catholic mystic, uh, Teresa Neumann, who I believe it was she who said, uh, God is amongst the pots and the pans. And so when pe- right. people ask me when I pray, if I pray, I say, well, in a manner of speaking, yes. Uh, when I'm doing the dishes, yeah, I'm. I think I'm praying with God. You know, I'm communing with God at that time. I'm not always praying, you know, being grateful because I, I try to be grateful all the time. I try to be mindful in that sense. Uh, I'm not always asking for things. I've kind of given up asking for things, not because I haven't gotten them, but because I trust the universe. To right. bring, you get what you're supposed to get. Yeah, I trust what I'm supposed to get. And I also want to break those crazy patterns uh, um, that that keep getting me the things that I don't want, you know. Uh, I think uh, oftentimes, of, for example, about The Secret, and I was interviewing someone following the release of the, of the movie and the book and so forth, and they said, well, they left out one very important thing. I said, really? He says, they probably didn't do it intentionally. It wasn't on purpose, but they, they left this one element out. And I said, well, what's that? And they said, well, it's all fine, well, and good as far as the law of attraction and, you know, uh, asking for what you uh, want. For example, you, you don't want to say, I don't want debt because you're going to get debt. Uh, I want wealth because then you'll get wealth. Positive affirmation. Right. Yes. Uh, what they left out was the fact that how do you know that what you are asking for is either part of your life's purpose and or in your best interest. Right. And I think that's sometimes... I have go ahead. the same criticism of it. Mm-hmm. I have the same criticism. Yeah. And that's why I focus on being aligned with the divine will. Because mm-hmm. you're not asking for anything but to be aligned. Yeah. And it all unfolds for you and you don't get in the way. When we ask, we get in the way. Unless we're really clear that that's part of our life purpose. Right. I've heard it said, too, that uh, uh, to that end, uh, you do not want to become, you do not want to control the process. You want to become part of it. 
That's right, a co-creator. Exactly, exactly. You have to cooperate with the process. Otherwise, it's very difficult. Yeah. Do you see a change in uh, the American um, mindset and or psyche that is maybe starting to shift? Because in some previous interviews just recently, I've been told that we are in a major transformational phase and I'm not just speaking about uh, uh, you know elections and things of that nature I'm talking just overall okay uh, that that humanity is being taken in a matter of speaking whether they like it or not they're being taken to the next level and that they need to wake up they need to open their spiritual eyes and ears and they need to start, again, not to be overly redundant here, they need to start going within. And I've often said this too, uh, uh, Doc, that um, there are times when you will go within and you will find things out about yourself that might be a little scary at first because you didn't know they were there. And that's because you haven't been spending a lot of time getting to know yourself. But that's the one person that you really need to get to know. Right. So some people call it the fourth turning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of a kind of bigger historical point of view. I do agree that we're in that. I feel the COVID, the attempted shutdowns, which don't work, you know, we have no evidence they work whatsoever, mm-hmm. are all part of pushing people to wake up. So I see it part of the fourth turning. So, okay, it's time to wake up. It's time to pay attention. Time to go within and focus on the divine within you and it'll blossom. So I see this as, for those who choose, a tremendous wake-up time. And you don't, like Margaret Mead said, you don't need a whole lot of people, whether it's a square root of 1% or 1%, it's wake-up time. And then that influences the whole global mind. So all of humanity can wake up. So I do see us in that place. I do a lot of humanitarian work. We have, uh, I'm in 26 different countries. Uh, I have over uh, 100 uh, programs, and it's all about supporting, you know, a way of life, uh, curing diabetes naturally. But it's all grow your own food. So we're in five countries in Africa. They're not having a food shortage. The people I'm working with, because they're already growing their own food, organic, organic mm-hmm. food. Yeah. So. The point I mean is we're, we're in it. Our work, like yourself and myself, is to help people redefine the situation, not as a lockdown, but as a wake up. Yeah. By the way. That's the key. I must make this point because I've been sharing this with our, pro, our listeners for the last three and a half months. As of our conversation... Um, I was diagnosed on the 24th of July with type 2 diabetes. Whereas prior to that, prior to the pandemic, my blood work always came back with an A1's, AC, uh, A, A1C A1C. of 5.7. Okay? That's the blood work. That's, That's right. Blood. Well, uh, when I was tested on the 24th of, August, of July 2020, my A1C, are you ready for this? 11.2. Okay. Okay. So the average 
according to my doc says, uh, you were probably at 275, maybe even 300 average uh, for the last three months. And I says, well, I know what caused it. It was the pandemic. And it was the pandemic because we and many other people started eating comfort foods, garbage, basically. Yeah. yeah. I said, uh, this is a short term thing. And of course, he was telling me it's going to be a long journey, Richard. It's going to take a while. Of course, he shared with me a story of a guy who had a 640 uh, uh, blood sugar reading when he came in uh, and dropped it in six months to normal. Uh, and uh, mine was five, uh, 544 that day. I said, no, nah, short term. So I, I, was, I, I got the blood, uh, the, the, the meter. You're, you're aware that I have a three-week program that drops it like from, you know, to normal within three weeks. Well, I'll tell you what I did. My wife and I, and I, I told her, I said, I'm committed to this. And it wasn't a question of doing a major change. It was going back to what we were doing before the pandemic more than anything else. I also have not had any kind of soda since the 23rd of July. So um, as I'm checking my blood sugar every day, sometimes two or three times a day, and then I was told, no, you don't need to take it quite that often. My blood sugar started dropping gradually into the fours and then the threes and the twos and the ones to where I'm, I'm having some readings of uh, 88 and 89 and 92 right. and 94. Right. That's where you want to be. Right. I did it in three months. Yeah. And uh, my average was 117 instead of 275. And of course it was uh, five, seven instead of 11, two. And he was, he was just, his great work in the, in the lab, in the uh, message he sent me. Great work. This is good. And that's good. My cholesterol's down and all of these things, you know, and it's like I said, I told him, I says, it's not a big deal for me. Okay. Uh, all I have to do is just go back to what I was doing before because my blood sugar was around 100 average uh, over the last four or five years. It wasn't, you know, so I knew what had caused it. Just like I know what's causing my high blood pressure. It's up here. It's not in my veins. It's not in my, 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 my uh, you know, biology, uh, you know, biophysical aspect. It's in my mental outlook. I need to calm down. <laughs> no, it's, you're right on. And it's really simple, but in an allopathic model, they don't see how simple it is. Yeah, yeah. So in my book, There is a Cure for Diabetes, you know, I'm talking about a natural approach, mm -hmm. three weeks, mm -hmm. getting people a very high percentage, even if they're on insulin, under 24% in three weeks go to normal. Yeah. And are off insulin or normal. 61% uh, in three weeks go to normal, which is yeah. set, which is less than 100. And I will tell you also some of the things that I can eat are just normal stuff. I mean, I love ahi tuna, okay? So fish is fabulous. But one of the things that I found, I thought, oh, this is great. I love this. Cinnamon. And it's very good for dropping budget. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not so much. And this is my perspective on a lot of things. But in this case, with uh, uh, blood sugar issues, it's not so much the intake of sugar, sugar as much as the metabolization of it in terms of well, getting those little, getting those. Above. I mean, you do want yeah. obviously when you stop eating junk food, it went it dropped pretty quickly. Sure. But yeah. if you can. Uh, if you can certainly cut your sugar back uh, and then eat those things that help to balance the metabolization of the sugar, you won't get the spikes. 
That's right. And I also told my wife, I said, with this meter that I now carry with me everywhere, and I think everybody should carry them, okay? I think everybody should check every few days, you know. Um, I think it's it's a great thing to to, to have in that regard. Um, but I I just, I said, the I can't lie to the meter. It's going to catch me if I cheat. If I, if I go have a Coke or something, it's going to catch me. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. Plus the fact that she's very concerned about my longevity. I have to live to a hundred. My great grandmother lived to be a hundred years of age. And I would tell my family and friends, I'm going to outlive her, but she's making it really hard. Uh, so I've got another 40 years to go. Another lifetime, my friend of doing yeah. these kinds of programs, sharing this kind of information with people. I think that the key, it's a, when you find out your, your A1C was 12, I think you said. 11-2, yeah. 11-2. You, you basically, it's like the SARS, it's a SARS COVID. It's a wake-up call to pay attention. Mm -hmm. You paid attention and you brought things back to normal. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's, sometimes we need the wake-up call. Sometimes we do. And so right now for the, the, the mass of humanity, the 8 billion of us on the planet, uh, the coronavirus. By the way, speaking of the coronavirus... Uh, as a wake-up call, uh, the word corona, of course, is translated as crown. Yes. And I've been talking with some of my guests who are talking about how we're raising our consciousness, we're, you know, we're, we're attuning and we're, we're ascending to a new level and so forth. And uh, I was talking with one gentleman who is talking about working on uh, the, the, the upper chakras in the head, Right. I says, right. well, that Crown makes perfect chakra. sense when you're talking about the corona virus. Right. It's helping us to rise to the crown level. Yeah. You know? So waking up is important. I mean, we have to go beyond waking up. We have to act. So you acted. Yeah. And you made the change. Yeah. Not everybody's quite doing it. The, the research on coronavirus kind of really suggests if you're healthy at any age, you're death potential is greatly minimized yeah. if you're healthy at any age. They say, oh, with age, you've got, you know, yeah. high percentage. But that's because people stop paying attention to being healthy. Yes, exactly. Well, And this is what's interesting. And you bring up a very important point. The I remember hearing of this. My, my boss shared with me an article he read in regards to the number of the, 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 the bodies that were in New York, for example, in New York City specifically. And they did a, uh, a research of, at that time, I think it was, I don't know what the number was, but they did some research on each one of the bodies and the individual's health records. And what they found was that each one, 99% uh, of those who had died, and this was back in either May or June, 99% of those who had died, they, they were able to determine they had died from uh, underlying conditions that if they right. hadn't, if they hadn't gotten the virus, they wouldn't have died, but it was because of the virus that their underlying conditions basically killed them. Right. And, and so the, the, the theory that I have is that our lifestyle is what has made us vulnerable. Absolutely. I would totally agree. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. So when we turn to a normal holistic lifestyle, you know, physical, emotional, mental, we're exercising, we're meditating, you know, we're focusing on God. Everything comes normal. And you are very 
nothing's 100%, but you're very protected. Yeah. At any age, mm -hmm. literally. And that's the key message. Uh, not to knock New York City, but obviously they have a few additional things like 5G and a few other things that make it harder. Sure. But we still are talking about being healthy at any age is going to minimize uh, your susceptibility to COVID-19. Yeah. And whether it's 97% or 99.99%, you know, of comorbidities, it's really the the big player here. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Attention. Wake up, get yeah, healthy. Exactly. You know? I don't know about you. I haven't had a flu shot in 40 years. Have I gotten, well, have I gotten sick in 40 years? Probably, occasionally, but rarely. Uh, so I've never taken a flu shot, but we also know flu shots weaken you. Yeah. I don't want to overwhelm you, but the military found that people who got flu shots are 36% more likely to get COVID. We know if you have one to three flu shots, your uh, chances of, of getting the flu again are actually increased. Yeah. And if you're doing eight to 10, they're significantly increased because uh, of the what we call the enhancement effect. Yeah. Please, people should avoid flu shots. They're really dangerous in this time, particularly with the coronavirus. You become more susceptible because it weakens your immune right. system. It would be That's the, just a little footnote. Right. It would be the equivalent of asking another government's military to go fight one of our conflicts in that um, our, our, our army, our military would not go out and do uh, the, do the trainings and all that kind of stuff. They wouldn't need to because someone else is doing the fighting for us. Well, that's to me what uh, uh, antibiotics do. That's a different team going in there to take care of. And so our immune system gets weakened every time we take antibiotics. Or, or flu shots. The flu shot, it actually really weakens your immunity. Yeah. That's the problem. So good. Dr. Gabriel... Cousins, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the program. This has been a great pleasure. I hope we can do this again. I know that we've only scratched the surface because there's so much more to talk about. And, go, go ahead, sorry. Uh, and, and, and I look forward to people going to drcousins.com to find out more about the work that you're doing, the Tree of Life, which is another subject all in of itself that I am always fascinated by. So I want to thank you again for, for getting this conversation started that I know is going to continue for us. Yeah. I really enjoy speaking with you and sharing, uh, you know, and thank you for talking about into the nothing, which is the key to the whole thing. Yeah. And I do look forward to being on your program again. I just, uh, it's fun to kind of, in a sense, rap with you about these very deep spiritual, uh, issues right and, and so it's fun and i'm so pleased that you healed your diabetes because that's one of the things you know i have 13 books so that's one of the things I, a big deal for me <laughs> around the world so you're a witness for a really good thing besides the spiritual waking up so i appreciate you sharing that as well so it's really good so thank you very much and may you be blessed to continue this good work to wake up as many people as possible and may everybody out there be blessed that we take on this waking up, this opportunity to wake up under the stress of the COVID, to wake up and become a new level of person and of spiritual awareness and of health. I have three final questions for you. 
Yes. As I ask all of my guests, you may have addressed them to some degree within the context of the interview, but I like to ask them pointedly. But before I do, I want to remind our listeners that we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at richarddugan.com with podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews unfold as we uh, converse with our guests. And uh, we also ask that you go to our guest's website. And in this case, it is drcousins.com. We will be linked to his website so that you can go and visit the website and uh, continue your, as I say, evolutionary and transformational process. And you just press a button, you can order the book from there too. Absolutely. Order the book. And again, that book is Into the Nothing, A uh, a Spiritual a Journey. Yeah. A Spiritual Journey. And we encourage you to, uh, to, to get a copy. Also, if you like the work that we're doing, you re- it resonates with you and you'd like to support us financially, we would greatly appreciate that. As I said before, PayPal and Patreon accounts are available for your security as well as ours. And also to participate in the 2020s, the decade of perfect vision to go within, to get that calm, peaceful uh, place of, of, uh, of equanimity, if you will, as well as insight, information, intuition, and so forth uh, to guide you from moment to moment, hour to hour to day to day. And I'll tell you what, when you start doing it, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And then just as you're walking down the street, you'll just get these impressions and boom, you just, you just go. Uh, so speaking of going, we're going to go to our three questions and they are number one. Who is Gabriel Cousins? Should I answer all at once or one at a time? One at a time. So Gabriel Cousins is a personality which is not who I am. Personality is a case of mistaken identity. So I am part of the one and ultimately into the nothing, I'm just part of the divine. There is no Gabriel Cousins there at the highest level merged into the nothing you lose the idea that you're a separate ego there's no separation so there is no gabriel cousins there's no person standing no place to stand that's so that's the illusion of gabriel cousins as we manifest in this physical plane what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now i have no hopes to achieve anything but being aligned with the divine will is really getting the word out to the world to wake up spiritually, actually mentally, physically, and physically, uh, you know, uh, emotionally. So, so my work is, again, a holistic way to liberation, and that's really what I'm not trying to achieve, but, but that's my dharma. That's my service in the world, uh, and I, 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 that's what I do. It's not what I hope. And whatever happens, happens. That part isn't my problem. Doing is not my problem. Uh, I mean, being in that mindset of simply sharing the holistic way of liberation is my role. Mm. What comes of it, that's God's problem. (laughs) All right. And finally, what is your life's purpose? So... My life's purpose is to merge more deeply into the one. And purpose and meaning. Purpose is goal-directed. I don't take goal-directed. Meaning is to live as the one, to be in the nothing, as uh, 
in that sense, not just in meditation. As I mentioned, all I ever learned from life was from meditating, playing football, and sacred relations. So is to keep expanding my consciousness from self-realization into the final God merging into the one. So in a sense, that's what makes my life meaningful. So I don't think purpose, because that's goal, and goals are ego. Well, I, That's it. All right. Well, I thank you again for joining us and giving us so much time on this program. It's been a great pleasure, and uh, we do look forward to having you back again soon to Absolutely. continue this. Thank you, and thank you for your good work. Again, may you be blessed to continue this work for many years, past 100, okay? I will go for that. I got no problem with that. 60 now, that's 40 more years. That's right. That's right. Well, I want to thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.